This podcast was brought to you by mtgcast.com and please check out www.tcgplayers.com for your best place to buy cards online. Introducing Phantom of the Dark Walk through my heaven with levitation from the French and defense and these seven show bowling with Rugas, flash mines, Bellafonte, Jigger. What's going on? Welcome to the Brainstorm episode 17. What's going on, people? How y'all doing out there? I'm your host, Tyrone. Here with me today is my buddy Jones, um, pretty much other uh, people in the podcast, um, Phil, Mike, Swamp with School, and uh, Sergio. Hope he can join us today, but um, I'm able to get a hold of him. But like I said, I do have my buddy Jones here, my my dark mind, uh, dark mind of the of the brainstorm team. What's going on, Jones? Howdy, folks. Man, appreciate you joining me another week, my brother. No worries, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this week we are going to be talking about Innistrad pre-released weekend. It was awesome. I mean, I had such such amazing time. I wish everybody out there who's out there had the same time experience I did. And it wasn't even most of the point of of pulling awesome cars. I did. I, I pulled a couple of mythical rares, but. That's no here or there, but um, it was, I mean, it was just the point of the whole flip card base. I mean, it had an awesome turnout. I mean, I don't know about this Jones. I was reading on Twitter, and um, it was so many places that had like a limited like limited space to make it like, up to a hundred. They double, sometimes double and triple their numbers of people showing up for the pre-release. I mean, it was like one place had like up like 300, 300 people, and then and so many people to turn people away. They gave each most people uh, one to one to uh, three packs just for you know showing up because they weren't able to make it. I mean, it was, I mean, this Innistrad was is way bigger than any other one, bigger than Frexia, bigger than M12, bigger than uh, one. Well. It's the introduction to a new block, and I think that it's a block that a lot of people are going to like, just thematically, if for any other reason. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it was, I mean, it was awesome, awesome turnout. I loved it. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely a great time. And it's funny, this is how good it is. Normally, I don't play green, but I've been really been looking, looking, in, looking into playing green. I mean, there's a lot of little knickknacks out there and stuff so but uh if you got a chance to check it out send us in some emails some information some pictures or anything of your pre-release and so we can uh put it out there and and spread it out but um we're gonna start off with talking about just just the base the basis of well i'm gonna start off talking about just some stuff that i the interactions of things that i dealt with at at the at the pre-release it, like I said, it was awesome. It had a great time. I'm, I was very, very excited to be in there. Lucky enough, I got in time because basically I got the last space before it filled up. But um, basically, before we start talking about cars, I'm just going. I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the whole um, 
the whole flip card bases and checklist. It is, and it's a it's a piece. Of, I'm gonna say it's, but it's more, the, the flipping the car is not even the frustrating part about it. The frustrating part about it is having a damn checklist. Make sure you got the right one checked. Make sure you got the right one out of your your. But I'm gonna say sideboard. But basically, you put a checklist in your deck. When you pull that checklist out, you know that card. You get ready to play that card. You go into your box, pull out pull out the card, put it on the field, play it, take it out, put it back in the box once it dies. I mean, all that kind of crap. I mean, it's so much easier to just flip the cards out of the sleeves. It doesn't tear up the sleeves. It has it, it, you tap the sleeves more shuffling your cards than taking out the flip cards out of, out of your deck because really a lot of people are not unless you're running like a strictly base werewolf deck. Then yeah, then that's when it comes in flipping, you know, type of deal. But I find I found it more harder to use a checklist than flipping the cards. So I don't know if I know Jones. You probably wasn't able to you know check them out, but it's it wasn't that bad, man. I mean it's. A lot of people were bitching, complaining about for they were doing it. I complained a little bit, but I kind of take some of the stuff I said back about it because it wasn't that bad. You know. Mm. Well, uh, like I said, whenever we were first talking about it, I'm just glad I play Magic Online because I'm just not going to deal with it at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I would do if I were playing the physical card game is I would, man, I just, I, I don't play without sleeves. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you damage your cards by using them, whatever, but, and I am kind of a collector, but I have them to play with them. So while I want to protect them, uh, I want to use them. So I'm just meticulous about always using sleeves, and some of these cards, uh, you know, they're going to be expensive. So I wouldn't want to even use them without a sleeve, even if I was keeping them out of my box. So uh, normally when I would play, I would use the color-backed deck sleeves, like not just the ones that are clear, just in case, specifically when I'm playing with legacy cards, the backs of the cards end up getting a little bit more recognizably damaged, and I've known more players to take advantage of knowing how the damage on the back of their cards and what cards were coming up that way, basically cheating by knowing that their damage markings on their cards. So I just took that away and uh, destroyed any argument about it by always using the color-backed cards. I'd continue to do that and just use one or two clear sleeves for all my werewolves and keep them in a, a sideboard it is kind of a hassle, but uh as you were saying earlier, man, like uh it's kind of fun. Uh I don't know, like I'm sure if I made a werewolf deck I would get pretty sick of actually using the physical werewolf card in my deck and flipping the cards back and forth. Uh so all in all, yeah, happy I play MTGO, but there's solutions for the problems for the physical game, and I don't think it's a really big deal either which way. It's 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 not. I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sitting there, you know, just just looking at it now. I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's great, and 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 it, and it just makes it a hassle of trying to um, notice. You know, I mean, really, if that person's really trying to look at your cards that hard, that difficult, it's. 
Don't uh, focus too hard. I was just correcting your grammar and being nice about it. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I know. I was looking. No, I was. I was looking at um, a couple cards online, and you flipping that, and then I was trying to put my screens together because that window seven. So you know, I'm trying to do both at the same time. So it's all good. Yeah. Listeners, we're multitasking, and it yeah. causes distraction. Yes, yes, it, it does. I mean, I can multitask. I, I can play Xbox, multitask, build a website at the same time. But I don't know. Sometimes when it when it comes to other things, it seems a little harder at the particular, particular time. So, but um, Mike's not here, so we can't have a multitasking masturbation joke. No, that. Or maybe yeah. does that count as one? This this re- this this bring it in references definitely a part of it <laughs> i'll throw in something about masturbation later something <laughs> yeah it's not the same with uh without having mike here but he's um he's getting his edumacation so uh that's highly more important in somewhat ways but <laughs> oh i thought he was taking the white panel van out for a spin he probably, I mean, that's probably but what he's doing <laughs> but you never never know with him, so oh yeah, this is gonna be a great, great yeah. But um, basically, I was going to get into just talking about some of the cards from from Innistrad and our our Dark Mind here. You know, I have to say he's more of the professional on on between the werewolves and vampires type of deals than I am stuff. So even though I don't actually, yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't played with Innistrad yet. You have. Yeah. I've yeah. just, I've looked at it and developed theories, and I've been reading about it, and I'd say my interest in this set and block has been piqued more than anything in a long time, because I am a horror nut, and I think they know a lot of their fan base are horror nuts. I mean, we're the same folks that have been buying Ravenloft for years and years and years, and We've been the ones buying the horror movie tickets, and surprising that it's... I mean, they've done it before. The Dark was kind of their first attempt at it, and they've, there's always been a horror influence in Magic, but this is the first time where they've really just... This is a horror-themed set, you know? It's kind of got the campy influences or what we would consider classic horror from the 20s or 30s, and, you know, that kind of cheesy Van Helsing influence, but I like all that stuff. Uh, I really like the artwork that's coming out of it. And, you know, people like to think that they're nice, unique, individual snowflakes, but we're not. So if you like something and you're attached to a theme, good chances are that a lot of the other people that are interested in the similar things to you are going to be right along with you. So it's not like I can call myself the voice of Magic players, but... Uh, generally safe to assume that a lot of us like demons, vampires, zombies, humans that fight them, yada, yada, yada. So uh, I think that's something to say for its popularity. I'm interested in it. I've been looking at it, uh, but I'm kind of waiting for it to hit on Magic the Gathering Online. Uh, what are you sending me now? Well, I've seen a link to one of your, uh, one of your vampire cars that you... Uh... And when you saw it, you know, you had to... I already got it up. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I okay. got it up on another page. Uh, well, uh, before you continue, the reason I say that you're more of, um, I say, 
Because, I mean, you play with vampires for, you know, mostly this is, these are the type of decks that you, like, even before this set came out, that you played before. So you know more about the other type of vampires that have been out before I have. Me, personally, and I've always been steered towards the white. Yeah, the blue-black, but differently based. I never really played, like, vampires, goblins, and elves. I stayed away from them. I was mostly the artifacts, the knights, the humans. You know, well, that's what I'm saying. This is, they are bringing back the tribes. They're attempting to. I just hope that they pay a focus to keeping the tribes as balanced as possible. Because that's one of the things we talked about today and what I was hoping not to rant too much on, but what I was going to talk about today is the balance between the tribes that they're establishing for the game. Because uh, with Indistrad, we're obviously seeing a, a shift of the vampires towards red. They still exist in black, but black is going to be split between vampires and zombies. Right. A couple of witches, we'll see how many they add for that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of witches in each branch or uh, each set of the block. Uh, you know, we're seeing zombies have a shift over towards blue, which is great in my opinion, and uh, I'll get into that more in a bit. Uh Vampires in red, we've already kind of seen people splashing red with their vampire decks, so it was kind of a, if we were going to guess, it's not that far of a stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, some of these cards are some of the scarier cards of the set. So, whereas a lot of people, actually, you know, I myself had talked about that in one of our very first podcasts about what was going to happen to vampires in the next set, I really didn't expect that, all, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say. I, I like the red vampire cards more than I like the, the couple of new black vampire cards in here, but I have plenty of ideas for a good black red vampire deck. Right. Uh, the, the potential is certainly still there, so vampire players don't have anything to worry about. Uh, and one of those cards we were mentioning, the Falcon Wrath Marauders. <laughs> That's, uh, a nice little card. Three colorless, two red. For a 2-2 Flying Haste Vampire Warrior. Whenever Falcon Wrath Marauders deals combat damage to a player, put two plus one plus one counters on it. Uh, you know, that it's, it sounds weak for a five converted cost card, but the potential is after four turns, you're going to be doing 20 damage with it. Uh, that's pretty nice, uh, if left unchecked and used in combination with the other vampire cards that came out in Innistrad. It can get even larger quicker. Right. Uh, the one thing that I would say makes what's personally making me look more at the zombie. Okay. Well, I'm getting sidetracked. The other tribes that we're getting introduced to are the werewolves and the humans. Humans are going to be very easily combined at the start of Innistrad. They're going to be a strong tribe to begin with because there's plenty of other human cards to mix them with from the earlier blocks and M12. So they're going to be strong right out of the gate. Werewolves, I'm, I'm really rooting for them. I just don't think the potential is there yet in any way, shape, or form. Uh, werewolves are going to be great cards to throw into green decks, to throw into red wind decks, but they're just, they're not enough to build a tribal deck. There's two or three cards that really, uh, how do I say, are non-creature cards that affect 
gameplay mechanics with werewolves. Uh, one of them was the Moon Mist. I'm so bad at card names because I haven't played with these cards yet, so y'all have to forgive me. One of them is an instant that transforms all your humans into werewolves. The other one is a enchantment that makes your werewolves bigger, and you can sack it to regenerate them. Both of them are great cards, uh, yes, but uh, they yeah. don't have any combined combo utility with a lot of the other werewolves to, to really justify building a werewolf deck. It's just not there yet. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, it's probably going to take another set, just basically just like how the other vampires were, and, you know, for it to come out before it, um, before yeah. it really, before it really sets off. Well, obviously vampires got plenty of attention, so I'm not, I'm not saying that werewolves are going to be the next vampires or anything like that. I'm just saying to build a tribal werewolf deck, we've got a little bit longer to wait, I think. Which, slight disappointment, but not a huge deal, because, you know what, I'm distracted plenty by vampires. But even more than that, I'm distracted by zombies. Um, humans are there. There's going to be some great tribal human, blue-white control, the Geist of St. Trist, Trast, whatever. Beautiful blue-white, yeah. three-converted cost card. Yes. The white decks and the blue-white decks are going to be just fine. They're going to, they're going to exist for a little bit longer. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. But as far as tribal decks, the zombies. Black has plenty of zombies. They got tons more zombies. Blue, I don't know if they, how many zombies they had before, but they've certainly got plenty now. Exactly. And they've gotten plenty of cards that influence the game, out to, like sorceries, instance, artifacts that deal with getting you more zombies as well. Uh, and this excites me for one reason alone. I'm of the school of thought that says that drawing cards and ramping your deck are the, I mean, they win, they win games. If you can draw cards and get more mana, more than your opponent, it, you know, I mean, to explain that concept bottom to top would be a completely different subject altogether. But, I still think that the balance of the game is going to be dependent upon drawing cards in other colors and ramping mana in other colors because those two game mechanics have set green and blue so far apart in the past. And creature control from black and red, I don't think, is truly enough to keep up with it. It's nice to splash, but that's why the game-winning combos are always those nice big multicolor decks that get you a lot more mana than your opponent. Anywho, yeah. black and blue is great because you're going to be able to play a tribal deck and you're going to get the benefit of having a blue deck and being able to draw through your cards and cycle your deck faster. And the mechanics of zombies themselves involve, get, involve getting cards into your graveyard, playing them from your graveyard, or burning them from your graveyard. So it's going to be a lot of deck movement, a lot of getting to the cards that you want when you want them, and fast attack. Uh, and I'm, of course, concerned with trivial things like artwork and theme, so yeah. I'm all for it. I think zombies are going to be a good... I wouldn't say, you know, there's going to be things that can handle them. You know, uh, there's plenty of decks out there that are still going to be more more functionally competitive in tournaments and stuff like that, but I think... I think I could do some some damage with a zombie deck. Uh, yeah. 
we'll see how much the cards cost that I'm looking at after they hit Magic the Gathering online. Because not looking to spend a shitload of money, but if I can accomplish the zombie deck that I'm thinking of, and it's nothing too complicated. I mean, it's it's the zombie deck that every horror nerd right now is thinking of, you know, the rooftop lab uh, laboratories and stuff yeah, like that. Just exactly. all sorts of... Yeah. Doing that, throwing in the... Uh, what's that beautiful blue zombie? Oh, Scab Ruinators. Oh, that's going to be great, but uh, those see. are going to be fucking expensive. I have that card here. Scab, 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 S-K-A-A-B Ruinator. Creature, zombie horror, one colorless, two blue. As an additional cost to Scab Ruinator, exile three creature cards from your graveyard. Flying, you may cast Scab Ruinator from your graveyard. Yes, that's that that is nasty, disgusting. Yes, absolutely disgusting. Where is it? Uh, five, six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. There's you a, know, there's another one that you might enjoy. It's um if I can find it, it like you, you you got the whole talking about the whole zombie um zombie base. I got it here somewhere. I thought I have it. maybe it's in my other pile. No, here it is. Um, oh, let's see here the where is it? The zombie giant, the scab um, Goliath, Goliath. Scab scab Goliath yeah. has an additional cat cost to scab Goliath. Exile two creature cards from your graveyard, trample. Yes. Yeah, but look at the difference of that. That's a six nine. Yeah. Four six. And you exile two creature cards and you get trample. Nice. But I'd rather have flying yeah. for three mana. Yeah, flying or is five six. Flying is is the way to go. It is definitely definitely what is the way to go on that card. Um I tried to play it in, in a draft. It's just I just wasn't pulling, was just wanted pulling the cards. Actually, the the best card that I had in my deck besides um, the one legendary creature was Civilized Scholar. I mean, he's basically he's the Jack on Hyde, basically. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's so sweet because it's you draw a card, you discard a card. If you creature card this way, untap Civilized Scholar, then transform it. Then basically, I mean, if you're able to like, like control the creature, um, you have, you have Fiend Hunter, when he comes in, you exile that creature, basically comes exiled, then bam, you come in and swing with him. You put, you, you, you just, just smashing the heck out of him, so it's just simply, simply ridiculous. But, um, that's just some of the cards I like. Alright, so. But, um, go ahead and, uh, um, talk about, See what's what else we want to talk about? Um, uh, let's see. Let me see here. I'm trying to look right now. Um, uh, look it up right now. Okay. Uh, trying to see vampire, vampire. Oh, um, um, when you think about that, that one vampire that um, you can push out vampires until you transform them. Uh, one second, I can find them. Uh, bloodline keeper, lord of the lineage, or yeah. lord of lineage. Uh, he's pretty nice. Uh, he's one of the nicer vampires out of black. He's gonna work, uh, great in, did Captivating Vampire cycle out? I'm gonna have to, sorry, definitely a new question, yeah. but. 
No, no big deal, man. Go ahead. Um, just, just say what you got to say. No, I got you. Go ahead. Right. Uh, well, uh, I think it's good, and my one problem with it right now is that there are so many good new vampires that I don't know. Like, I'm working on finding a deck-building site that's going to allow me to fool around with the black and red to really see what goes where. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> that's one of those things if Captivating Vampire hadn't have just cycled out, that would be one of the scariest cards to deal with that I can think of right now. Uh, what are some other good cards? Well, as far as the black vampires that I was looking at, yeah, I mean, that's really one of the only ones that I'm seeing and I know I'm going to look over something and miss something I should be seeing. Yeah, I know big deal, man. Here, let me, um, um, I remember some of the cards that we were talking about. Uh, let's see here. It's, it's a red card. I'm looking at it right now. Sorry about this, folks. Is this so many, so many good cards, you know, it's just so hard to talk about them all at one time. See, uh, that one right there. Reckless. Uh, reckless wave. Yeah, that, yeah, reckless wave. Yeah, that was the one you were saying you did so good with in the yeah. draft. Yeah, that, I mean that's yeah, that's a really good card. Uh, again, that's if I can get to it. Yeah, uh, if I were to make a werewolf tribal deck, that card would certainly be the one cost staple. Yes, the reckless wave is the one red cost uh, at the beginning of each upcape. Up cape. Upkeep. If new, if no new, damn it! If no spells were cast last turn, transform Reckless Wave. At the beginning of each upkeep, if a player casts two or more spells last turn, transform Merciless Predator. Yada yada yada. One one three two. Basically, it's your cheapest werewolf in the game, and by the numbers, a disgusting card. Yeah. If by chance you are a first player, you drop your Reckless Wave first turn. Best case scenario, your opponent doesn't have his one cost card in his hand, so you're going to have a 3-2 by the second turn. And, you know, depending on how the rest of your mana plays out, you can play your one spell, keep it as a 3-2 for whenever their turn comes. So, you know, they have a creature with haste, you can deal with that, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, if you're really lucky, they still won't be able to cast two spells, so good to go. It's just... You know, looking at the other one-cost creature cards, it's, I love it. It's, you know, comparing it to the Skytail Hawks in the game and the, uh, Skytail, Suntail. What's what sound? Uh, sound like, sound like, <laughs> you're rubbing the mic against your balls or something. It's a little scratchy sound. Oh, I was. I'm really, really lim- limber. I'm actually just a few, Few inches away, maybe this last rib. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. <laughs> we think about if um, you think there are. I mean, I would like to see like these werewolf cards in Duels of the Planeswalkers. Uh, I mean, do 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 you think they will? Do you see it? I mean, do I see it? No, and I'll tell you why. Uh, that's extra programming. <laughs> that's it. These guys that are programming it in 
terms of making, if I were making the game, I'd look at it like this. Can they still make a game that is non-detrimental to the feel of magic as a whole and not put in werewolves? Yeah, they could. Werewolves are a new thing. They are nice, but they're certainly a representation of Innistrad. And I don't, you know, we'll see how much the idea takes off and sticks with magic. Who knows? We may see werewolves and shifting cards of this type for the next four or five sets after this. The whole next entire block, we're going to see it. But the likelihood is, is we're going to see it for this block, and then it's going to kind of go away. Right. You know, like Bushido and stuff like that from Kamigawa. Yeah, Kamigawa. Yeah, that's, you know. This is, cards. <laughs> this is probably going to be an Innistrad block thing. So just imagining the extra effort that they would take to program that newer card mechanic into the game, and it's not just something that they're programming like, okay, like programming an ability and how it would influence the other cards in the games, that's kind of easier because you're just really programming... Uh, functionality between cards, like how they're going to react with one another. Just the extra effort of programming in the card flip would probably be enough to talk them out of it. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, so not just it's too complicated of a measure. I mean, they've got to do it in Magic the Gathering Online. I'm sure there's certain amounts of uh, cooperation between the developed Stainless Steel Games is a company out of... Uh, the UK that makes magic. I don't know if they are what hand they have in Magic the Gathering online, but since just the fact that we know there's the Planeswalkers decks on online and they're the exact same as the Duels of the Planeswalkers on Stainless Steel, I'm sure there's some form of cooperation, and I don't know. We may see it. I wouldn't put any money on it, though. Uh, I don't know what sort of hand they have in the Magic the Gathering online. If any, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's hard saying. I mean, I don't really don't, I really don't see it myself. But I mean, it, it, I'm just saying it just be something nice. Yeah, like it won't, it wouldn't bother me. I and it wouldn't doesn't really make a difference to me. I just hope that as far as the planeswalkers goes, I just hope they keep putting their focus towards making balanced decks. Uh. And if anyone ever has the ear of one of those developers, please don't repeat the mistake of duels of the first duels of the Planeswalkers games and release decks that are just not built on the same power scale of the rest of the decks. Basically, we're saying use your damn head, don't be pulling no crappy ass decks. Well, no, it wasn't crappy decks. It was just they released two decks that were better than all of the other ones, so it took all sense of variety out of the game. Yeah. I don't want to play if I'm going to be playing against the same damn deck every time. That takes away all the fun. Magic is about variety, and it just gets stagnant if you see the same shit all the time. It's one of our biggest complaints with the, the game is... You know, when we're talking about cards and Magic the Gathering Online, uh, it's already very, very limited in scope on Planeswalkers. Uh, so by nature, it's very casual. I just don't want to deal with the frustration of just 
only playing against two decks because that's all that'll work. Yeah. All right. You know, right yeah. now what they've done with Planeswalkers, I see all sorts of decks online, and yeah. I'm happy all the time because people are coming up with new and creative ways to use them. And that's mainly thanks to Two-Headed Giant and how yeah. people are now considering using two decks as a combination and syn- how to synergize them with one another. That's right. what I've really enjoyed lately. True. Hey, um, I just sent you um, a link. I know. I was ignoring it. Yeah, well, unknow it, some gun. And uh, check out this card because it's something that deals with your type of deck. Grip of the Dead. Yeah. Uh yeah, I was kind of worried about how expensive this card was going to be because if I was going to make a blue-black zombie deck, it would definitely be in there. Uh, right. There's no question about it. Um, Let's uh, look at the price. Um, for okay. people that don't know, I'll go ahead and read it for you. It's a four-cost legendary artifact. Uh, pay one colorless and tap it, discard a card, put a study counter on Grimoire of the Dead. Uh, the other ability is tap it, remove three study counters from Grimoire of the Dead and sacrifice it. Put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. They're black zombies in addition to their other colors and tape, uh, colors and types. So, beautiful card. Uh, sounds disgustingly powerful in the scope of the last sets. Uh, it's still a powerful card, but there's a lot more graveyard functionality in this game, so it's really less of an offensive mechanism and more of just a safeguard to keeping other opponents' graveyards empty. Uh, because in a zombie deck, your graveyard is going to be burned through by yourself and your other, your own card mechanics, uh, assuming that, well, all of the other colors have one form of graveyard burning or another or cards that they can play from their graveyard so the discard piles aren't going to be as stacked as they were in the old blocks so this isn't i mean it's definitely an uh a card to not ignore but it's not going to have the potential as it would have in other blocks still really nice though and i like it just because of what it is yeah it's it's a cool legendary zombie yeah, it artifact that brings a bunch of zombies up. I'll use it just for cool sake. Yeah, true that. That's I don't know. Is this like I said, you know, more on the base? That's definitely just one of the cards. Basically, I'm just looking at the, um, the legendary creatures, and some of them are pretty nice. It's definitely going to be a nice, um, a nice stuff for EDH type of deal. Some of these, of these legendary creatures and. Uh, it was funny, the other thing I want to talk about is the day I got home from the pre-release. And I mean, there was, I counted, I think it was like 33 decks already on TCG players. People putting out stuff with the cards and stuff and everything. It's, it's just, it's just great to see how quick people get their decks out there and stuff out there. And I don't know what I was looking at more is, is that not looking for too many, uh, you know, more decks of just with just Innistrad by itself. I mean, it has a whole bunch of other good cards that you can break into. You can break into with with um. I still haven't seen the deck that I'm thinking about building. I haven't seen the one do it yet. So, hopefully, I can get it done. So, uh, yeah. What are the rules about what websites we can point people towards and such? Because there was a great article I saw on TCGPlayer.com. 
Uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and tell people. This, uh, what's this guy? I'll find his name. Oh, God, I hope I don't mispronounce this. Frank Lepore, uh, Lepore wrote a brilliant article on the top ten sleepers in Innistrad, and he's talking about cards that are not the top five most talked about at the pre-release, what people were most buzzing about online, and what the prices are soaring up on certain cards. The top five, as he was calling them, were the Snapcaster Mage, Liliana of the Veil, Garrick Relentless, yeah. Scab Ruinator, and Geist of St. Trath. Yeah. Uh, you know, not talking about those cards. <laughs> well, and actually, he breaks that rule later. But he's talking about other cards that he thinks are going to make a stir, not necessarily immediately, but as the block continues and used in conjunction with other cards. Right. So what uh, they, you have to realize, don't right away, don't go out and blow your money on cards right away. If you got trade, fine. Trade some cards. It's not better than spending your money because just like how um, Karn, when he came out, it was 40 bucks, and now he's about $12. So it's best wow. good that it fizzle down a little bit if you start buying your cards heavy. Uh, but the he goes on and lists 10 cards that he thinks are going to make a stir from the block that aren't necessarily the cards mentioned before uh and like <laughs> well I'll, I'll let you read the article to, and leave it spoiler free for now but after that he goes on to mention five cards that he thinks were good before but after Innistrad has come out will now have received an, a nice little boost basically their their potential is now back up and I read all of the little explanations for why he thought this and he really thought out this list, and uh, I think it's rather brilliant, and he made some great points. Uh, okay, I guess I can send you a link. Yeah, it would be helpful. <laughs> no, you can just deal with it. Well, I'm sure I can find it, but... um, Well, one of the things he talks about, uh, ratchet bombs. They're going to be great again, because... Uh, just the instant sack. You don't even got to worry about the charge counters. You're using it to kill the zero costing, uh, zero casting cost cards. Because not only is Innistrad in a completely token heavy set, but there's another point he brought up as well that I thought was really sick. When werewolves are flipped, they're considered a zero casting cost <laughs> card. Wow. Damn. So a ratchet bomb will kill any transformed card from your simplest little reckless waif to that vampire card we were talking about earlier. Damn. That I, I actually think about, about that. and didn't even finish stammering about whatever it was called. But anyway, yeah, ratchet bomb is going to be sick. Yes, and I and have like six of those bitches too. The ratchet bomb now will become a staple of sideboards for Innistrad. Uh, I couldn't agree with this guy more. Bravo, golf clap. Good point, dude. Uh, another one that he brought up is, and this one I'd already thought of on my own, which is goes to show you that plenty of other people are going to be thinking of this one on their own if I can figure it out. Uh, but Adaptive Automaton. This is a tribal set, and tribes are going to be around yep. for at least the whole block. This is an M12 card. It's not going anywhere. Yep, I have it in my Three deck. Three mana cost. It's basically, 
it's uh, it's the build your own lord is yeah. how this dude puts it. Yeah. Uh, you can use it to fill in any slot. It's re- relatively cheap for a card that is as powerful as it is. Uh, brilliant card. Should be seeing a lot of it in vampire decks, werewolf decks, zombie decks. It'll be around. Right. Uh, yep, true that. And um, another card that will go good with that is Freshly Metamorph. Because it's a blue, it's three, and three and one, friction, life, blue, basically safe. It's a four, but you pay three, pay two life to play it. That's another great card, because, like, when they bring out their, yeah, copy a creature on the battlefield. So, it's basically, like, with the humans, like, um, champion of the parish. You bring him out, you play him up. You copy another big human that you come out, bam, he's not, I mean, you know, you know, you know the drift of it is. Well, I mean, it depends on what you're doing, Blue. The thing about yeah. Adaptive Automaton is there's all these tribes that span across all these colors. Yep. And I understand the Phyrexian Metamorph is Phyrexian life, but still, this is an artifact card that's not going to cost you any life. Three mana will work with any tribal deck. Oh, yeah. That's so, a, yeah, it's working We'll be good. seeing plenty of it. But even the Flexion Metamorph is, you can play it in any color deck too, because. Well, that's you, what I'm, Yeah, you don't have to play blue with it. I mean, I, I, I understand it's dismembered too, but it's, this is even more easily facilitated. Yeah. And it's cheaper than Phyrexian Metamorph as well. Yeah. But it gives the extra boost. It gives you that plus one, plus one. That's the big thing. Yeah. Alright, and, um. Uh, another card that he was bringing up that is going to get some extra special attention. When M12 came out, a card that I love just because of the picture and what it does, didn't really think of any direct deck mechanics to use it with, but now it's just, there's dozens of them. But Vengeful Pharaoh. First of all, it's a zombie. It's a big zombie. There's so many more cards that can get him into your graveyard quicker to use him for your uh, defense mechanic. The, okay, uh, I'll just go ahead and, uh, whenever combat damage is dealt to you or, or a planeswalker you control, if Vengeful Pharaoh is in your graveyard, destroy a target attacking creature, then put Vengeful Pharaoh on top of your library. There's plenty of cards, especially now with, uh, that zombies are so easily mixed with blue, that can let you get that Vengeful Pharaoh either to your graveyard or to the top of your deck whenever you want him to. So, now that you have so much more control over his, uh, Secondary ability, he's going to be deadly. He's going to be a great defense focus for blue-black zombie decks with a control aspect. It's great potential there. So, anyway, I'd just like to point people towards this article, because this dude really thought this out, and he brought up some brilliant points. He did. I'm looking looking at it right now. The one thing I don't like that he did is that he goes against the exact thing that he said he wouldn't do at the start of it. But... Well and good, whatever. Yep. Now, see, that's a good thing. Now I can see the uh, the uh, reason for Jace. What's wrong about those prices for you? As you can see that. Yeah. It, it'll go up. Still a good it, card. Yeah. It, it, it will. Dude, go that's up. that's honestly where it needs to stay. Yeah. We were talking about the prices for the Geist of Saint Traff today, and I had thought I'd seen it for around twenty bucks today, but it's hovering at around fourteen right now. Which, it's a brilliant card, folks, if y'all haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's one colorless, one white, and one blue. Hexproof, 2-2. Two, two. 
whenever Geist of St. Traft attacks, put a 4-4 white angel token with flying onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Exile that token at the end of combat. Uh, that's just dirty. Yeah. Absolutely dirty. The hex proof on that for how quick you can get it into play, just dirty. Very, very nasty. And honestly, blue-white didn't need, well, you know what? Blue-white is a lot of people's favorite combination, and it lost a lot of its staples with this recent cycling out, so I'm fine with it. Other other colors got boosted, other colors got their nice little cards, but frankly, I know I'm going to be seeing that card a lot, and it's going to frustrate me, so. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Now, looking up, it's a legendary, so... There's only one on the battlefield at a time, so. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Darn. yeah, yeah, I'm not getting enough. I'm just happy I drew one at the, at, at the, what's it called, because that's how I won most of my games with that card. I had a, had a, had a different. Did it really hurt you that you could only have one on the battlefield? No, Did that really no, no. sting you? No. Oh, it, yeah. It, it didn't sting yeah. me. It sting the other player. It didn't sting me at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plus, there's, um, Oh, oh, I have to um, give a shout out to um, my buddy Bubblegum. Uh, he was the first when I played in the tournament, this well, well tournament, but the pre-release, and he stapled my balls to the wall. That's how bad. It's not he, very friendly. No, it's, it's what what he did was simply ridiculous. Um, he had he yeah actually yeah he used uh, I think. It was the Civilized Scholar. Yes, that's what I think he had. And, um, let me pull up this artifact. Um, let me see here. Um, uh, I, I never pulled it, so, um, I just remember what the picture of it looks like. It is not, there it is. It's, um, Inquisitor's, and, um, Inquisitor's Flail. It's, it's, a uh, artifact equipment. And if equipment creature would deal combat damage, it deals it deals double uh, double that damage instead. If another creature would ooh, if another creature would be deal combat damage to a quick creature, it does double double damage to a quick creature instead. So I mean, as he did that, I guess I was could basically hit me for hit me for freaking fourteen. I think fourteen turn two or turn three. And right there, I was already at six. And pretty much after that, that was pretty much end of the story. I mean, that's what double, double that. So that makes that ten. I was already down. Then he has some other, other stuff added to it. So it's raised up to fourteen. And he swung at me. Well, yeah, he took it to seven. Double made it fourteen. And he swung at me and took me down. That was not cool. No, no, it was a sixteen. It was took me down to six. So I mean, uh, Bogum, I appreciate that. Um, pretty good ass kicking. Uh, looking enough, I didn't, I didn't get pretty much any good equipment cards. I got the mask of Velcra, mm, That one, a quick creature gets plus one, plus two, and has hexproof. So pretty much, that's the only big uh, one I have. Avison. Have, have, is it Avison? Avison. Av- oh, okay. A V A. A V A. C-Y-N. Okay. Avacin. Well. I've read enough nerdy sci-fi fantasy books to get uh, pronunciations right about a third of the time. Yeah. See, that's... 
don't know, something more than I've ever seen before. Sorry about that butchering that name, folks. It's just, I don't know, some of this crap, I don't <laughs> sound out cards very well. But, uh. uh okay, well, well, we can test people's nerdiness if they really want to get pronunciations down. Challenge me on Kisak Sadarak, Muadib, bust out the Dune pronunciations, and then we'll have a field day. <laughs> that is crazy. So we have the Rune Cherished Pike. Quick creature gets first strike and gets X plus X plus zero. Well, X is the number of instants of sorceries in your graveyard. That's another good one right there. And sharpened pitchfork. Of course, you know they had to put the pitchfork in into the game. So, and torches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pitchforks yep. and torches. Yeah, pitchforks and torches. And pretty much, if it's equipped to a human, a human gets plus one. So that's the thing. The pitchfork is two and costs one to equip. So that's humans gonna yep. be kicking some kicks some ass in here and stuff. So, but um. Other one See, is, it's funny because there's a couple of things in the game that kind of magic has kind of taken on this rock paper scissors attitude with the tribes because there's certain vampire cards that get strengths whenever they're going against humans. Yeah, humans have. Well, I guess humans kind of have artifacts that help them. They have enchantments. They have spells and creatures. So, I don't know. Humans have their defenses up, but I don't know. It seems like there's plenty of cards to deal with each faction, and there's in each way, shape, and form. So it's just gonna who who draws what at which time. Exactly. Like tribal deck versus tribal deck would be a very interesting scenario. Right. Uh, very very wicked. Um. But not. I'm sure we'll see a lot of tribal decks, but we'll still see a lot of other yeah. better combos, and I'm. There's plenty of room for some creativity in this set, and I'm yeah, sure we'll yeah. see a couple of new decks emerge in the tournament ring. Yeah, it will be a dominant deck. Right now, I think most likely the dominant deck is going to be, um, be Birthing Pods. That's pretty much going to be the thing of it right now, so. I agree, but I still think there are some things left to explore from Innistrad, and I think that we're going to see some other. I see great potential with a couple of other cards, but without playing in the meta yet and fooling around with stuff and seeing how they are experienced in contrast to the other pre-existing, I guess, themes and decks, like there's really no way to tell. But I think some new combos are going to emerge. I think there's enough new stuff in Innistrad that the game will shake up a bit. Yeah, there's going to be another, I'd say another dominating deck out there pretty soon. We'll just have to see what it's going to be, like, especially like, you know, like LSV, you know, plus all the other guys out there and stuff. So, oh yeah, plus we forgot about, uh, I just remembered, forgot about wooden stake, pitchfork stakes, right. <laughs> and torches. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, so, you know, that's pretty much the base. But, um, I don't know, that, that's, that's pretty much it. About Innistrad, um, you know, you know, we touched on the tribes, humans, vampires, werewolves. Flipping the cards ain't that bad. Zombies. Zomb- oh yeah, zombies. And um, basically, this, this breakdown on type of decks going to build. Pretty much, I say that when you think about building a deck, depends on the area where you're at. You know, you play build decks of where you're at, or if you're going to competition. 
basically, you know, what the hype is. That's basically what you got to build your deck around or, you know, build something similar. But uh, most thing that I'm going to be seeing that, I know mostly at my area is people using Graveyard and using Flashback. That's going to be their big ordeal in curses. You know, so, like me personally, when I build my deck, I'm going to have cards in there where that it destroys target players' graveyards, exiles it, you know. It exiles the graveyards. I don't at all. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're going to build a deck, that's basically a good way of figuring out how to do it, so. That's, that's one way I do, and, um, like I said, basically just figure out what people are playing the first week that this drive comes into play, um, I'll just go ahead and look, you know, just, I think sideboards are going to be interesting. Yes, sideboards. Yeah, the early on. Yeah. As people are experimenting and watching which tribes people are picking up on, because there's so many reactionary cards. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, true. So yeah, this that said this. To be seen. Yeah, just go off what you see in your neighborhood. I uh, mean, neighborhood local store that was going on, and basically that's just this, this how it flows. So. If you guys like have like any tips and news, like I said before, um, in your area that's your podcast area, go ahead and uh, send us those information, send us pictures, and uh, let us know what you think about the episode, some other cards that we missed, and even though the contest is over, we'll begin to break down the contest in a second. But um, still send us in your decks. Um, I'm trying to build a a listener deck area. So if you got a deck that you like, I will. Put your name, you know, just name the deck that you want to put in, and um, we'll put it on the site, you know, because we like to help other people get deck ideas, you know, stuff. So go ahead and send it in. But um, before we uh, um, dip out of here, we have, me and Jones, we have decided on the winners of the podcast. I will be putting the information up here on Twitter here shortly. But uh, it was a hard decision because he, cause he's two gentlemen that sent his decks in. Made it very, very hard for us to choose on which one that we want to do. So we had to come to a conclusion, you know, of what is what. So we decided to split the first winnings. So um, go ahead and uh, break down the names of the of the two people who decided to pick one there. Uh, not pick one, but decided to choose. Uh, just, just, just say the first names. Don't worry about saying like their last names or anything like that. So, so. All right. Uh, well, Micah and Chris are the two winners. Uh, both of them really stuck to the spirit of the contest in uh, their explanations. It, they were, they thought about all of the main decks and how to defeat them. They. They both kind of used, yeah, before I start ranting in another direction, they just both really thought out every decision and they basically went into great lengths in their explanations for each choice and it was really nice to, you you saw each step of their forethought and they even went into steps to explain like, uh, which cards you would sideboard in which circumstance and why. And it was just really nice to see that level of, uh, interest. I don't, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's late and now I'm yammering. 
take over now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. But, yeah, pretty much, uh, Chris, Micah, you guys are the winners. I will be seeing emails shortly about what you guys won, what you guys get. Pretty much, I, now I'm going to have to split them up. I basically, I have it set packed. Now I'm going to have to throw in a couple extra um, other little um, goodies in there for y'all for spinning up the pack. So I'll be getting y'all information and watching emails. We're going from there. But um, pretty much, like I said, don't stop sending us in your decks. Keep on sending them in and keep on getting us feedback about the show. And, like, it's basically we try to bring the brainstorm as all of us listening. I mean, all y'all listening out there. It's like y'all sitting right in front of us. In, in, you know, in front of the shop, just talking magic. You know, there's nothing wrong with other other podcasts out there. Like, eighteen, great job playing that magic. Great job, proper to the people. Great job, all them uh, men of scoop, scoop Fay, all those guys. Great podcast, and some of them even do the you know same type of thing, based on what we are doing. But you know, we just I just like uh, keep the brainstorm. Basically, us just brainstorming about deck ideas. And I like to get it out there for other people's help because yes, you can go to other websites to look at other people's decks, but I like to get it where that we all can come together and come up with great deck ideas. So that's the point of the brainstorm and us doing this podcast. But so here, there. But I'm your host Tyrone, my buddy uh, Jones. Appreciate him for joining me again for another week of of uh, brainstorm, but also each week. Um, basically, we end up doing a, another segment of words at Friday Night Magic King. That's something I do a little bit differently here than we normally do on this podcast. Basically, that's just, you know, just basically straight, strictly freestyle. Uh, just talk about nonsense and everything that's crazy about magic. So, check that out each week. I try to get up each week if that I can, but um, I'll be recording a new one here pretty soon. So, get in there and uh, check it out. So, once again, Jones, uh, appreciate you uh, jumping on with me, man. No worries, man. And y'all be easy out there, and uh, we, I guess, catch y'all on the flip side. See y'all Friday Night Magic. Adios, folks. Later on. Alright, so I'll be showing that recording. Here we go, break time. Chicka, chicka, what?